Starting in verse 12 of Galatians chapter 4, it says, Brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. You have not injured me at all. You know that because of physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at the first. And my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear witness, I bear you witness, that if possible, you would plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? They zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you that you may be zealous for them. But it is good to be zealous in a good thing always, and not only when I am present with you. My little children, from whom I labor and birth again until Christ is formed in you, I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I have doubts about you. So as we look at this, I want to give you a couple reminders. Paul is writing to the church in Galatia because he's concerned for them. He had led them to the Lord. They had understood about the grace and love and mercy of God. And Paul has his shepherd's heart and his love for them. It's a sacrificial love. And as he has his shepherd's heart for them, he has this, in a sense, a jealousy. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2 and 3, it talks about how uh, he says, I'm jealous over you with godly jealousy. He has this desire for them to grow and have this relationship with the Lord that's passionate, that's grace-filled, that's walking in, in, in love and mercy. And yet, as you guys know, as we've been talking about, the Judaizers had come into the church and were leading the church astray. People were being deceived. And Paul writes in a way that's very direct and very harsh in a sense because he was in love with these people. And his heart was being torn. He says, how could you be turning away to another gospel? What's not, it's not even another gospel. And how could you be going under the law and walking away from grace? Matter of fact, what we're going to see starting next week and as we finish this chapter in verse 21, he says, do you even understand what you, you're asking? Do you even understand what you're getting into? Do you even understand what it means to be under the law? And so, as Paul has this shepherd's heart, this desire for them to grow in their relationship with God and this love for them, it was really difficult, though, for him because he has to write to them in a very direct way. See, these false teachers had entered and they're undermining their faith and these people are being deceived. But remember with me that Paul says even Titus had come. Titus wasn't circumcised. Titus, being a Gentile, understood and had this relationship with the Lord. And that's why I brought him. And, and Paul reminded them that his relationship with the Lord came first and foremost because he spent time with the Lord. And after spending that time with the Lord, he didn't simply go first and foremost to the church leadership, but spent quality time with the Lord and understood who the Lord is as God had that intimate time with him. And so Paul's concern here is that this deception and that all the work that he had done, all the work that he had poured into them was going out the window. And 
he's not giving up on them, but he's afraid for them. He's afraid for them because it, he says, as if I've labored in vain, as if everything I've tried to pour into you that you wouldn't understand that you would walk away from. Second John chapter 1, verse 8 says, Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. He says, look to yourself, look and understand. Remember the things that you've been taught and who you've taught, you, you were taught them from. Again, I believe it caused Paul great pain to have to correct the church, to have to uh, speak so boldly to, to them. Even in verse 20, he says, I want to come to you and change my tone. But I believe he's talking so direct to them because of the dangerous situation they were allowing themselves to be in. And he's trying to feed them, and he's trying to feed them spiritually. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same thing to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. I have to write to you. I'm going to remind you. Listen, for those of you, because a lot of you raised your hand today and said you've grown up not only in the church, but our church. And so I know that you've been taught the word. And you know that God loves you. And you've heard that time and time again. Do you believe it? Do you know it? Not in the sense of just I can repeat it, but you know it as a, a, a fact for you. Notice what he says in verse 12. He says, Brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. You have not injured me. His point is this. As I'm living in the grace and freedom of the Lord, so should you. As I've become dead to the law, but alive in Jesus, so should you. Remember with me, Paul, Saul, persecuting the church, zealous as a Pharisee, as a religious person, as a leader in his community. In Acts chapter 9, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you kicking against the goats? And he has this intimate time with the Lord. The Lord says, I'm going to show him all the things he must suffer for my name's sake. And I'm going to use him to speak to kings and rulers and those in authority. And I'm going to use him to speak to the Gentiles, which was huge, right? He was a Jew. They didn't associate with Gentiles. And yet God says, I'm going to use this man to speak to the Gentiles. And he says, I understand what life was like being under the law. And yet I want you to become like me, free, free in Christ, free because of the grace. Because remember, I became like you, a sinner saved by grace. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11 through 13, it says, Therefore, remember the former, uh, that formerly you were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who were called circumcised, the, the circumcision, excuse me. Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners of the covenant of the promise, without hope and without God. But now in Christ Jesus, you were once afar off, but you've been brought near through the blood of Christ. He's saying, I understand the price that's been paid for me. And I also understand the price that I've paid to give up everything I once lived for. And that's why in Philippians, he says, all that stuff is rubbish. It doesn't matter anymore. But I've become like you, a sinner saved by grace. 
You know, it's interesting because when Paul says to imitate me, I believe that's one of the most incredible things any Christian can say. Follow me. Imitate me. Walk as I walk. Trusting the Lord. Seeking after Him. Now we know that he's talking specifically even about the fact that they were battling the Judaizers. They were battling the issue of grace and law. Doing things for God and or being with God. One of the questions that came up Wednesday at Face to Face was, what is the difference between religion and relationship? Religion is a bunch of rules and tasks. And if I do these things, I might be in the right place with the God I, 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 I'm trying to do something for. Please, whatever it might be, doesn't have to be Christianity. Relationship is God saying He loves us and that He wants a relationship with us and that we can have a relationship with Him and we can know Him on a personal level. An intimacy. It isn't by our task that we have this relationship but by His love for us poured out on the cross, demonstrated for us. And as we look at these things, you guys, notice He says again in verse 12, You have not injured me at all. In other words, He's saying, Your choices, I don't take them personally. You, you, you haven't uh, uh, offended me. Any injury you've caused would really be the gospel. Into your own spiritual lives. It wouldn't be to me, it'd be to you. You're not hurting me. You're only hurting yourself, he's saying. This is what I'm concerned about. Again, you guys raised your hand. Most of you grown up here in the church. And eventually, again, today's our 39th anniversary as a church on a Sunday morning. One day, some of you will, will leave. And you may never come back. And I, I don't mean to sound cold or whatever but you might go off to college and you might meet somebody and become their spouse and and you might move out of the state you might move far from here you guys might decide to go to another fellowship whatever it might be that's okay as long as you decide to go to another another fellowship there have been times where i've had students who've gone off to college and depending on the college we had one go to asu and uh, you know we helped look at you know schools, or excuse me, churches around the campus. Several others that have gone off to different colleges and stuff and moved to different places. And they've come and said, hey, do you know any churches in that area? And I said, well, let's look them up and let's see what's around there. Let's look for, you know, we look for Calvaries because we know that most Calvaries teach book by book and verse by verse. And so we want to get them in the Word. But we also look for Bible teaching, Bible believing churches in those areas that, and stuff that that somebody might go to and grow in their walk in relationship with God. And the thing of the matter is, is my heart for you guys as you grow, that you would remember that. You would remember that what you need is Jesus, His Word, and the truth of the Gospel, because that's what changes lives. Be careful. Be careful not to get caught up in a title of a church that you're a part of or whatever it might be, but get caught up in Jesus. Thankful, respectful, grateful, but not like I'm better because or you're worse because you don't or because I do. Does this make sense? 
what we need to do is be in fellowship with Jesus. And so he says, listen, by you embracing the deceit, you're altering the gospel and starving yourselves spiritually because you've taken the focus off of what Jesus has done for you and what he has for you and you put your focus on something completely different. You put your focus on this task and if I do these things, then I might be in a right relationship with God and if I don't, I won't. Again, a huge difference between the relationship that we can have with Jesus and the religion of practicing something in order to be in a right relationship with the God that you might want to please or not. Notice in verse 13 through 15, he goes on to say, You know that because of the physical infirmity, I preached the gospel to you at the first. And my trial, which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ himself. What then was the blessing you enjoyed? For I bear you witness that, if possible, you had even plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. When it talks about this infirmity and this preaching, Paul's thinking back of the first time that he was in this relationship with them. He says, I, I want to recall the way you treated me. Through my infirmity or my feebleness of health, my sickness, you were there for me. See, we don't know exactly what Paul's infirmity was. Obviously, from this passage, some believe that uh, had to do with his eyesight. Some believe because it, when Paul shares his testimony, he was stoned, left for dead. He was shipwrecked. He had all these other things. And there obviously could be so many repercussions from uh, all those things and, and, and results of that. Some believe it was malaria, um, different things. But whatever it was, it was a trial. And it was something that was noticeable to other people. He was sick. And that sickness didn't stop him, though. It caused him to actually go there. And they could have rejected him because of his appearance. They could have been so distracted by it. And yet they weren't. He says, you didn't despise me. You didn't reject me because of these things. You know, I, I was thinking about it. Uh, and I mentioned last service. <coughs> some of you, I've had the privilege. Some of you have. Some of you at least have seen him through different means. But I've seen him live. But uh, Nick Vojicic, however you say his last name. Life Without Limbs, right? Uh, the man that was born without uh, uh, arms and legs. Um, it's a trip because I, I heard him speak at a at uh, at uh, Chino Hills High a year or two ago, and um, he has a little foot, and he can change the Bible pages and stuff. It's really a trip, and uh, I've seen him do that. If you haven't heard him speak, he's very powerful. He's a very uh, gifted speaker. It's amazing. Um, I know Zach. Can you guys go to see him? Uh, a couple years back. But here's the thing. As much as he's a powerful speaker, it, it's, it's interesting how distracted you could be, right, by looking at him. Again, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just saying, right? You're just kind of like, how, how does this work? 
you just how does he get around and how like you know what i mean he's got no arms no legs and he's married and has kids and it's just a trip to to think about his life and how he gets around and travels the world and all these other things and praise god god uses him in a very powerful way but it's it's distracting i was sharing last service my my grandpa uh, before he passed away, was a double amputee from diabetes. I remember the first time, uh, I was probably in junior high, when he, he they had to amputate his leg up to his knee. And he's at the hospital. I go visit him, and I, I hate, I still do, I hate hospitals, right? But, you know, you're going in. My grandpa was a cowboy, he's a farmer, uh, a rancher and stuff, and the toughest guy I ever met. And uh, I go into the hospital, and he's there in the bed. He's got a blanket over him. And my grandpa was a joker, and he, he says, hey, Dustin, can you do me a favor? And I'm like, sure. And he's like, come here. And I go closer to the bed, and I'm like, this is freaking me out. Like, I'm too close. And this is what he says to me. He goes, can you scratch my foot? My, my toes itch. And I'm thinking, I want to run out of here. Like, <laughs> And he's laughing, and I'm like, it's not funny. But this is what it was like. He was covered by, with a blanket, by the way. And this is, I remember going, and I could see his foot, his right foot, and his left leg stopped. And that was the weirdest thing. So it's under a blanket, can't see, you know. But I can't help but st almost stare, right? You guys see what I'm saying? Like, it's just weird. Like, my grandpa had two legs yesterday. <laughs> and now he only has one and a half. <laughs> I'm not trying to be gross or anything else. I'm just, I, matter of fact, because he was covered, it wasn't nothing gross. I, it's just weird, right? I'm just, it's just weird. I'm distracted by the fact that this is what's happening. And this, I'm in this room, and instead of seeing two legs, and I'm seeing one. And so it's hard to focus on the conversation when I'm kind of focusing on what's, what's happening here. And Paul's saying, when I came in to preach, when I came into town to minister to you guys, and you looked at me, you didn't despise or reject me. You weren't, you didn't push me away. You didn't look at me as if I'm some like weirdo freak and like look at me and who is he to, to speak to us because of, look at his infirmities. It's a very powerful thing, and it shows about the character of the people. But he's saying, as you didn't reject me, and as you receive the messages, you receive the teaching, he's like, I'm worried about you. I'm very concerned. Because you know me, and we have this relationship, and so how is it that you've turned away? How is it that you're allowing yourself to be deceived? You're acting as if you don't know me. And yet we've already had this relationship and, and it's been this intimacy. You know, it's interesting on, on Tuesday. So I, I did a memorial service for um, a woman who was 71 years old and she passed away from COVID. She worked at a, a doctor's office and she got COVID at her work and she passed away. Spent five weeks in the hospital and then succumbed to all that stuff and passed. On Monday, I did the funeral Tuesday. On Monday, I got an email because I had asked the family, like, let me know who's going to speak. Well, Todd Memorial in Pomona had said only immediate family, 10 people could be inside the, the service. So, okay. 
So on Monday, the family writes to me and goes, well, we all think it's going to be too hard, so none of us are going to speak, just you. Okay. Well, here's the thing. I've done a lot of funerals. I could, I could do this. However, to speak at a funeral of somebody you've never met and say things to only the 10 people in her family, which were her kids and her grandkids, it's really kind of awkward. Now, the daughters that I had met with had told me a little bit, so I said things like this. I had those notes, and I said, I was told she was known for this and known for that and all that. And finally, when I finished that part, and I was going to bring it to a conclusion, her son gets up, and he goes, can I, can I speak real quick? And I'm like, yeah, please. And he goes, I only think it's right that one of us from the family get up and speak about my mom. And I'm like, yes, that's what I say. I said that from the beginning. And so he got up and he says, yes, all the things that you said about my mom are true. I'm like, good, because your sister told me, because if they were a liar, your sister lied, <laughs> not me. But <laughs> And he went on to say some more things about his mom, very, very uh, sweet and loving and all that. And he can talk firsthand about his mom because... That was his mom, and he had this relationship. And he said, my mom and I would talk almost every day, and, you know, sometimes we'd argue, and we'd butt heads, and all this other stuff. And he's telling these stories, and, and you see everybody, well, the other nine in the audience going, yeah. <laughs> but if I were to get up and say something contrary to that, as if it wasn't true, and they started believing me, he would be like, wait a minute, why are you believing him? Well, he's a minister. He wouldn't lie. But you know me. That was my mom. You know that we used to talk all the time. Yeah, but he's a minister. He wouldn't lie. It's almost in a sense what was happening because the, the church in Galatia, they were looking at these Judaizers as these religious people that were very like, so close to God, and so like th that we want to be like this, and so they were dis they were taking, uh, they were distracted, they were deceived from what they were taught by Paul because they were looking now at these other people, going, well, they seem so godly and they seem so righteous and all this other stuff. Shouldn't we be more like that? And yet they're have now discounted everything they learned about Paul. You know, Paul's life, Psalm 37, 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, As many are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. And so, I really believe that God orchestrated the circumstances in Paul's life in order for him to achieve the means that, that what God wanted him to do. And it's interesting when we look at our lives and how God wants to use us, and God sets up opportunities for us to be used by Him. It's a very powerful thing. And it's amazing the things that we go through. There are things that happen in our lives that become part of our testimony that allows us to be used by God. Somebody, uh, Victor Marx, many of you, he hasn't been around for a while, but some of you know who that is. And Victor Marx, you know, has a very powerful testimony with the abuse and stuff uh, as a, a young man. And uh, 
if you don't know who he is, you can look him up or whatever. But And he has taken his past and all the hurts and brokenness and brought that into his ministry. And God has used him in a powerful way to minister to children in war-torn places uh, here. Uh, he used to go more into jails and prisons and youth correctional facilities and different places to minister. And, and so he has such an open door in all these places because of his unfortunate past and childhood abuse and all that other stuff that he went through. God has taken who he is and allowed that to be part of his, not only his testimony, but part of his ministry in, in the way of bringing healing and ministering, drawing people to Jesus. And so it's crazy how God used Paul and allowed him to minister to the Galatian church, used his infirmity, used everything he went through to draw people to Jesus. And so as they were drawn to Jesus, he, he had said in verse 15, he goes, what was the blessing you enjoy? He says, I, I bear witness that even if you could, I believe you would, plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Your love for me was powerful. Under grace, you had joy, you had peace, you had comfort, all these blessings of freedom and everything else. From the very beginning, you loved me and received the message I preached to you. What happened? What happened to us? What happened to that relationship that we once had? What led you away from me? What led you further apart? Notice he says then in verse 17 and 18, these Judaizers, they, jealous, they zealously court you, but not, but, but not for good. Yes, they want to exclude you, that you may be zealous for them. It's powerful. In Titus chapter 1, verse 10 and 11, for there are many rebellious people, mere talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision. They must be silenced because they are running uh, whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach. A lot of times when people join cults, when they join groups, militias, <laughs> other things right now that are happening even today, people are drawn in by a subject. Here, the, the church was drawn in by these zealous people who, oh, we're zealous for God. And yet, what happens a lot of times when people join groups like this, it seems so attractive and they jump in and everything else and they, 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 you're drawn in, you want to be a part of that. And then all of a sudden, what was supposed to be the focus of Jesus was supposed to be the focus of growing in your walk and your relationship with the Lord. It's no longer that. It's on yourself. It's on your works. It's on doing these things. It's, it's on them. It's on being a part of the group. It's on these things. And it's not about Jesus. They're not really seeking your spiritual growth. Maybe it's, their, maybe it's finances. Maybe it's this or that, whatever it might be. But they're not looking out truly for your own interests. They're trying to bring you in. But once they do, man, they change everything. But 
he says in verse 18 what we should do, we should have a zealous, but our zealousness uh, should be that of seeking to honor God. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 reminds us, only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel. This is what God has for us. You know, again, as I was saying, one of the things that's super important, you guys, is this. People will tell you the do's and don'ts. You have to do this, you have to do that. In order to be right with God, you have to do this and you have to do that. In order to, you know, I've told you, I've been in churches where they said, you have to dress a certain way, you have to look a certain way, you have to act a certain way. I was in a church, the first church I went to, guys, you weren't allowed to wear hats inside church. Girls, you had to wear dresses. You know, for guys that have a hat in church, it was considered disrespectful. I literally, I told you the story where a guy took my hat off and handed it to me. Son, you're in church. Take your hat off. So I punched him in the stomach and kneed him in the face and grabbed his head. No, I didn't. The guy didn't care about my walk. He cared about my hat. He didn't care about my love for Jesus. He cared about how I looked coming into the church and if I was being respectful or not. He did not know me at all. That's the problem with churches. That's the problem when people are being religious. They care more about the outside and not the inside. Paul says, listen, I care more about the inside and your walk, your relationship with Jesus. How is it? Again, I asked you guys, how many of you grown up in church? I'm not going to ask you again. Many, most, probably three-fourths in here today, raised your hand and said, I was born and raised coming to this church. So at 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, are you that mature in your walk? I don't know. How are you in Jesus? How, how is Jesus today? How, how's your relationship with Him? How is His relationship with you? Notice I didn't say how many times you've been to church in the last month. How many times you've read your Bible in the last week, in the last two days. And, uh, you know, that's not what I'm asking. You and Jesus, how's that going? Do you know how much He loves you? Well, you don't understand, Dustin. I keep messing up. What does the Bible say about that? You've been taught that. Do you remember? Don't we sing a song? A thousand times I fail. <laughs> Still your mercy remains. <laughs> Amaya, stand up and say, no. <laughs> <laughs> Do you believe it? Or is it just lip service? Is it just a song to you? I'm asking. I'm not trying to be mean. I want you to think about that. My heart for you is this. Is Jesus. See, since I became a Christian, I've attended a few different churches for different reasons. One, the church I went to originally no longer exists. The church closed down. Another church I went to no longer exists. It closed down. Man, 
I guess I'm bad luck. <laughs> One of the churches I worked at in Palm Springs, we, we were just there for a year and I left. I've been here 20 years now. Each one of them, different focus. Each one of them, different either denomination or backing. One was a Baptist church, one was a four-square denomination, which is Pentecostal. Uh, one was Calvary Chapel. Actually, two were backed by four-square. Each one of them had their own focus and their own backing and uh, different things. But what mattered was, is the Word being taught? Am I growing in my walk, in my relationship with Jesus? Or am I being brought into a group of people that actually want me to grow and be like them, but not like Jesus? But I'm, I, I, they're telling me I could be like Jesus if I'm like them. That's something wrong. Listen, Paul can say, be like me. Why? Because Paul walked in the grace and love and mercy of God. And Paul understood that he was still a sinner. I'm not perfect or anything like that, but I'm putting and seeking Christ first. And there's this reminder for us that we are to love God and love people. There's this reminder to us that the greatest of all commandments is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. We should be excited, zealous for the Lord and the things of God. We need to be careful, though, because others will distract us and say, you need to do this in order to be right with God, and you need to act like this and do this and do that. It breaks my heart because, remember with me, as we studied the book of Ephesians, we've been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. We've been adopted. We've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. We've been sealed with this Holy Spirit. We've been saved by grace through faith. All these things. It isn't until chapter 4 that he says, Now therefore walk worthy of your calling. In response to God's love for you, in response to what God has done for you, serve the Lord, love Him, be with Him. See, in verse 19 he says this, Paul says, My little children whom I labor and birthing in until Christ formed in you, I would like to be present with you now. And it changed my tone for I have... Uh, doubts about you. I agonize that you become mature believers. It is my heart's desire. See, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 says, Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Paul was saying, listen, it's my heart's desire that you would grow in the grace and love and mercy of God. That you would understand what this relationship is and what comes with it. I can honestly say this is true of myself too for you guys. I want you to love Jesus. If for some reason you never came back to this church after today, I would miss you deeply. I'd promise I would. Most of you. Not Carlos. He left. No. 
All I care about is that you do not walk away from Jesus. Will it be hard? Yes. But here's a reminder. 1 Peter 5.10 But may the God of all grace, who has called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. May the sufferings and the stuff that you and I go through cause us to grow and mature. May we grow in our walks and may we mature in our walks in a relationship with the Lord. May your faith be your faith. I'm thankful, I truly am, that you were brought up in the church whether you wanted to or not, whether you had a choice or not. Thankful. But now, as young men and women, the question I have for you is, is that what you want? This relationship, these things that you know about, and you know about them, You've heard Bible studies, you've heard scriptures, you can probably re repeat them, you can quote them, whatever it might be. Okay. But is it what you want? Is it who you are? See Paul's heart, he says in verse 20, his heart is, I want to come and be with you so you can see face to face and look into my eyes and I can look into yours and we can have this conversation where you can truly understand what I'm trying to get across to you. Where it's not about this anger or rage or, or I'm really just mad at you, disappointed in you. No, no, I'm, I'm afraid for you. I, I love you and I'm concerned for you that you would walk away from the Lord, that you would allow others to deceive you. Why? And again, if I could say this, as a youth minister, as a leader in a church, I have seen too many people walk away from the Lord and give up on God completely. It's heartbreaking. And there's so many various reasons for that. So many different reasons. Some have genuine hurt. Some have concerns that weren't addressed. There's, there's so many different things. But here's the point. Do we truly believe the Bible when it says that Jesus says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you? And if we do, that even when we feel like he's not there, we know that he is. When we feel like he's not doing what we need Him to do, we know that He's doing what, he, what needs to be done. When we feel like He's not in control, when it seems like things are going so chaotic and stuff, we know that He, because the Bible declares that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the testing of our faith produces perseverance. It produces a, in our character and our hope. And when we look at these things, here's the problem. Sometimes, sometimes, some of you, now that you're older, you get different views than your parents, and it scares them. Right? Doesn't mean you're wrong or they're wrong. 
Or it might be that you're right and they're wrong. Or it might be that, you know, you believe like, Mom, Dad, you always taught me that I can't wear a hat in church, but I don't see in the Bible where me wearing a hat in church is wrong, and so I'm going to wear a hat. I, again, right? That's the church I went to when I first got saved. So as a child, if that dad, the guy who took my hat off, I don't even know who he is, that doesn't matter. <clears throat> and I say, well, I don't believe what you believe. I don't believe I'm disrespecting God or anybody else by wearing my hat inside this building. And I don't believe that you have a scripture that's going to back up your stance. It's just your culture. It's just your group, right? Does that make sense? I'm not trying to be mean and disrespectful. By the way, I would have took the hat off, and I did, because I won't be disrespectful. But if I disagree, I don't think I'm ungodly for disagreeing. Does that make sense? My view of God doesn't change. Not at all. My view of God is stronger. My view of God is stronger because I don't believe that God is mad at me for wearing a hat in church. I believe God is more concerned about my heart and where my stance is and the direction that I'm taking and all of my... Does that make sense? And so, okay, if, if the rule was to take your hat off, I would take my hat off. Whether I believed it or, or, or practiced it or, or not, believe, not practice it, whether I agreed with it or not, if that's the way the church was and I've felt called to that church, then I would take my hat off and be respectful. I have no problem with that. Because if it wasn't one of those things that's an essential and it comes to our walk and our relationship with the Lord and it didn't take me from the things of the Lord, then I was okay with it. But this is what I'll end with is this. Don't let things, people, or things, rituals, circumstances, pull you from your walk, your relationship with the Lord. If you want to know what the Lord has for you, read the Bible. Look and see what God has for you. Look and see. Our lives are to be in response to His love for us. So we do things. We are to be obedient to God's Word. We are to act. We are to respond. Not for relationship with God, but because of our, our relationship with the Lord. And so we need to understand what that debt looks like. And see, it was Paul's heart to let the church know, like, this is my desire for you. To stick to a healthy, Christ-centered relationship. That you would truly love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. So that you can love each other. Truly. Be careful. And what we're going to see starting next week and finishing up chapter 4, in verse 21, when he says simply this, you don't truly understand what you're asking, do you? You don't really understand, do you? You don't understand what it means to be under the law. And he's going to go into that. He's going to talk about the difference between the flesh and the Spirit, using Abraham and his sons, Isaac and Ishmael. So here's the thing I want to leave you with.
How's your walk? How's your relationship today with you and Jesus? You and Jesus, how's that? I'm not asking you how many times you prayed and how many churches, services, all that other stuff. I'm asking you, do you talk to Him? Do you read His Word? Do you allow Him to speak into your life? Are you growing? Are you seeking God? Like, when you're hurting, do you run to Him? Do you run from Him? Do you know how much He loves you? Do you know His plans and that He has a future and a hope for you? Do you know that? Like, do you believe that? Are you trusting in that, even when it's hard or when it's good or whatever? Listen, if you're struggling in that, struggling is okay. Just don't run. Keep fighting. And if you need prayer, like, we've given you the numbers, emails. See one of us leaders. We'd love to pray with you. Don't give up. Keep fighting.